gorgeous. That's how I greet Bug when I walk into my apartment. I say, oh, my God, the most beautiful dog in the world in my house. Where is security? Um, welcome to Gushers, the podcast for talking about music for people who don't have to know anything about music. I am your host, Ashley Hamilton, and this week I have a gorgeous guest talking about a gorgeous song for what makes, I believe, a pretty damn gorgeous episode. Please welcome Eliza McClam of the Binchtopia podcast. She is also a musician herself. You are going to want to pause right now to go subscribe to her podcast and then download her album. But then but then carry forth and listen to this episode because I friggin' love it. Here it is. I am here with Eliza McClam. I am so excited to have you. You are a podcaster, a musician, and you are here to gush. I'm really excited about it. Before we get started officially, what have you been listening to lately? Mm, that's such a good question. I have to go look at my like Spotify likes. That's how I do it. I feel like everybody has a new or particular way of finding and listening to new music. I know some people make like monthly playlists. Mm -hmm. I used to do that through high school and now I feel very blessed because I have like a month by month of everything I was listening to in high school. But I think at some point I just got kind of bored. Um, And now I just do it through like my, I like just like songs on Spotify and then shuffle that way. What's, what's your system? I'm curious now. I do kind of like seasonal playlists in a way, like not necessarily, I used to do monthly and then as years go by, I'm like, well, I've got a lot of Junes. It starts to get really bulky when you're looking at it. And also, I was listening to the same thing for more than a month a lot. Right. And I would start them differently, too. Like, I would be like, oh, it's July now. I'm going to make a new playlist. But then I'd be like, well, I, I want to listen to that song that I was just listening to. And it would like they would become <laughs> the same. And so now I have kind of like, like spring walking, spring run that type of nice like you're more of like a mood playlist yeah. person I feel like that's how I feel like people are one of two mm-hmm. they're either like a time playlist person or they're a mood playlist person yeah I definitely get it from my dad I guess he's I never thought about it that way but he's a big mood playlist person he has a lot of playlists that are like eating dinner doing this <laughs> totally I love making like very hyper specific playlists like this is for like 3 p.m. in the sun like you brought a book to the park but you're not really reading it I love that and the thing is the vibe playlists or like the mood playlists are kind of the backbone because even if you're a time playlist person there's gonna come a moment where you need to throw a house party and you can't put on your your June playlist because it's kind of a Russian roulette situation so yes. I think mood playlists are underrated I think especially just having them on the back burner just in case like I had people over for just hanging out in my backyard recently and I was like oh mm-hmm there needs to be a playlist for that because the mood is very specific. You want stuff that's upbeat, but not rager music, but like like distracting. Yeah. Yeah. Not distracting, but still like fairly commonly known. Nothing that people are going to be like, all right, what kind of fucking vibe are you like? Are you trying to have an orgy (laughs) right now? Like what's happening? So you need to really have it not locked and loaded, but like expressed. Totally. And I think everyone knows that. I also used to have a playlist called Oh No, which I would put on whenever new people got in my car. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was just like like crowd pleaser, like alt alternative, like soft alternative, you know, easy listening bangers. Um, but as to what I've been listening to lately, I am, have been really obsessed with this album called Rat Saw God by the band Wednesday. Okay. Um, I don't know. Have you heard of that band? 
I have, I feel like, heard of them recently when someone was, like, listing newer bands that are good. And I feel like I remember mm-hmm. putting them on the back burner of, like, oh, you should go on Spotify and, like, dive into that. And then I, I just never, I forgot until right now. Well, I would highly recommend. They're from my home state of North Carolina, so I am a bit Ooh. biased. They're from Asheville. Um, and they've been around, like, this is, like, their fifth album. But I think it they just got picked up by, like, a bigger indie label called Saddle Creek. And then, like, Pitchfork gave them a really good review, which kind of, like, got them into the spotlight but um I don't know do you know the band always but it's spelled with two v's yes yes I recently tweeted that Wednesday is like if always was like tied to some truck nuts and like driven high speed down a dirt road in western North Carolina (laughs) okay that's exactly what I want to be listening to so that is a really good descriptor it's so good okay I my favorite song on the album probably is called chosen to deserve it's like has such like a a guitar hook like straight out of like a country music station that you would turn on um but basically she starts like this the opening lyric is we started by telling all our best stories first so now that it's been a while I'll get around to telling you all my worst and kind of talks about like her being like a messy girl who's like you know, having sex in cul-de-sacs and like taking Benadryl at her parents' house. And it just, as somebody who grew up in North Carolina, it really hits a specific vibe and a specific upbringing. But I feel like it's something that everybody can kind of relate to. Um, so that's, I guess, like the, my, my favorite off the album. But if I was to recommend like an intro track to the band, I would recommend the song Quarry. It just literally, you put on 15 seconds of it and it's stuck in your head for the rest of the day. It's amazing. Oh, I love that. How do you go about finding new music? So you have your liked on Spotify playlist. Like, how do you find Mm -hmm. the songs to like? Okay, that's such a good question. And even for somebody who really loves listening to music, as are you, I'm sure, like sometimes finding new music can literally feel like putting your hand through a cheese grater for some reason. It's like there's once you are in and there's some like months of my life, seasons of my life where I'm like, I literally want to listen to three songs and like anything else will make me insane so sometimes it's really hard and to get over that discomfort I have found great solace in the Spotify blends feature okay. because you have you ever used that feature no I've been like very <gasps> I I've been like really looking for a new thing on I didn't know about this and I feel like Spotify and I used to be great friends like I used to love the discover mm. weekly I used to love those mixed like for you mixes that they would make and I right. feel like in the last like maybe 18 months like they changed something and it like fell off a cliff and I don't know what to do yeah the algorithm has been really switching up there's like new programs they're introducing where artists can like give up more of their royalties the royalties that they already don't really have anyway to like promote their music it's like all getting kind of bastardized in this late stage capitalist hell okay yeah but I will say a resounding (laughs) oh my god that like makes me anxious just the idea of it like when is the FCC gonna come in and like Oh my god, like the WGA strike, there needs to be an update for new school payola. We're literally, we're like, (laughs) we're coming to like a screeching halt where like, we're getting to this point where companies like in all forms of art are trying to cut corners and not pay people and still like maximize the money that they make. And eventually, I mean, I just think there's going to be like an art apocalypse where like nobody can fucking work because nobody makes any money or like gets any creative value out of it. We're going to have like the debt, we're going to have some sort of death and rebirth is my philosophy on it but anyway before that happens end of the renaissance (laughs) it is crazy bad 
No, that is so wild. It is so easy in this kind of exhaustive atmosphere to make people think that they should just be happy to show up and like get to do what they love. And it's like, no, no, no. Yeah. But there's like something being provided here. Yeah. And well, that's what I, yeah, I'm really grateful that like my my day job basically is the podcast and it, and that supports me being able to be an indie musician because there's no fucking way I could live off of the money I make off of just music. And there's really no way to do that unless you tour all the time or you like, you know, are signed to a major label and, and get a bunch of stuff. But anyway, I need to return to the blends feature because actually I feel like I'm about to introduce something that's going to be really good for you and your relationship to Spotify. I also feel like it would be a fun thing to do maybe for people who come on this podcast because what you can do is you and somebody else can make a blend and it tells you how similar your music taste is. It tells you like what song maybe you guys have both played and then it makes a playlist of songs that you listen to a lot and songs that the other person listens to a lot. Oh, that okay. Wait, I actually have done one blends playlist once and I didn't really understand what it was because this guy on a dating app sent me a link to be like, oh, it's such a dating app. Do this. (laughs) And so we made it and the playlist was pure chaos. I wish I could go back and find it because I think I deleted it. He literally never responded to me. They were like, okay, it's done. And I was like, actually, I've seen enough. And I was like, fair because this playlist is, it's the most incohesive playlist I've ever seen in my life it was from EDM to like Everclear it was so fucked up our taste in music were just it's I wish Spotify had popped up and been like hey you and this person should never be in this I mean essentially they did say that (laughs) literally essentially Spotify like it's just a a giant culling mechanism warning (laughs) sign and was like listen you and whoever this is have nothing to talk about there is not a conversation (laughs) on site and I was like okay that is fair Anyway, I didn't know what that was. Okay, I need to start doing this, but with people that maybe yeah. I would want to have a conversation with. Yeah, I think that's so funny that it's just like a calling mechanism of just like, you know what, before we go any further, let me see something really quick. Do you mind? Um, but, I, but I do think it's a perfect way to get introduced to, mu- to new music because it's a playlist where half of the songs are songs that you already like. So you know there's like a 50-50% chance that you are already going to like something. Um, and then especially like, I don't know, I find I have a lot of, like not necessarily similar music tastes to like my friends, but music like for some reason, like the vibe of the songs that they like, I feel I also, you know, yeah. would be exposed to. Yet they listen to a lot of different genres, which is a cool space for me. Um, so that's what and they update all the time. So you Ugh. can play a certain blend. And it's also great for like if you have roommates or something like me and my boyfriend live together. And so we'll just put our blend like on our speaker in our house and then everyone's happy. That is so smart. I like when I'm being introduced to new songs, but I have songs that I already know to like grab onto. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's like rock climbing. Like those are the strongholds where you can be like, yes. OK, I'm comfortable here. I can like be uncomfortable for three minutes. Right. It's like when and you like, like are weaning babies off of like, yeah. soft food into solids. Yeah. Yeah. And then I need to be able to jump back to a stable ground where I'm like, OK, I know I'm going to like the next song. So just see how you feel about this one. You're not like spending the yeah. next hour of your life diving into songs that could be good or bad. So true. Yeah, I think we're all incre- I think another thing technology has done is made us all more like babies and unable yeah. to tolerate discomfort and while that sucks, there are modern adaptations for that modern problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's so- it is crazy how people are like unable to ex- like I if I'm on a road trip or like at someone else's house or something, like the way that some people can't let someone else control the music, I'm like mm. 
there are agreements that can be made. One of my big pet peeves is when it's like kind of a group oxcord situation and someone is being mm-hmm. rude about song changing. I really feel like oh, yeah. if you give a song two choruses, you can change it. To go in and switch a song that someone has intentionally put on before that is so fucking mean. Mm-hmm. It is mean. It's like, let's accept that we're all in this environment together. We're probably all locked in a car. It's okay. We can all we can all sit through it. There are very few songs that I feel like physically pain me to get through like I really can't sit through yeah yeah and actually that is like the type of music that was on this guy's playlist that I was <laughs> we would not be able to spend time together what kind of music physically pains you I'm not good with beepy squeaky EDM music can't yeah. if I'm in an environment where I'm on drugs and we're dancing to it that's yes. a whole different thing I don't know. The idea that this was the music on his Spotify really stressed me out because I was like, well, is this the music right. that you're just sitting down and listening Casually to? Casually listening to. <laughs> the yeah. idea that like, what is making dinner to this? That's insane. Right. Is he waking <laughs> up like having his coffee being like. Yeah, that's that's kind of a mark of a concerning person. Is that what you listen to when you're like, oh, let me throw on this. Some of my favorite songs while I take a stroll around the neighborhood. Right. Are you just trying to like annihilate every natural sensibility that could ever come into your field of vision? That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Like I love um, lyrics and like melodies. <laughs> so when <laughs> when a song doesn't have sue that, me. I'm like, sue me. <laughs> love lyrics. I'm just I'm like, I'm having a hard time here with this. So just. <laughs> yeah. I totally get that. The only instrumental music I really like is like a soft jazz. And I've been I've been liking that. Well, because I can't if I'm reading or if I'm working on something, you know, for my podcast, I just I cannot tolerate music with lyrics in them. And then I can't do anything that's a little like I fucking oh, my God, my my least favorite thing in the entire fucking world. I don't know how hot of a take this is going to be is piano covers of pop songs. I literally rather die. It makes me feel like I'm in a department store. Yes. (laughs) 2002 no it's it's horrible and then also the thing about like why instrumental music works so that you can focus is because if it's something you haven't heard a lot like you can't really pick up the pattern like it just kind of goes in and out of your mind but it's like now I feel that I've been forced to like karaoke in my own brain to this horrible rendition of this song that was like never supposed to have an acoustic piano in it and now you've put it here and it's making me upset I hate when that happens. Should we get into your gush of the week? I would love to. I'm really excited about it. Um, Okay, Ashley, what I've brought to you is a song that is off of Lana Del Rey's, I think maybe ninth studio album called Norman Fucking Rockwell. Um, And the song is called Mariner's Apartment Complex. That's my song that that I need to gush about. This song is so good. It was the lead single off of the album. I looked up some Wikipedia facts. It came out in 2018, which can I, maybe I just have a horrible concept of time, but this song was number six on uh, Rolling Stone's 50 best songs of 2018. I like can't believe that these all came from the same point in time. And I wonder if it's because I make playlists in vibe and not necessarily time that Mm. songs hit me at different times but the other top songs of 2018 number one was drake in my feelings oh my god yeah (laughs) number two was lady gaga and bradley cooper's rendition of shallow Mm -hmm. cardi b i like it camilla cabello never be the same which i to put that at four feels stressful to me that was like really a very specific camilla cabello is above lana del rey yeah My heart is breaking inside. It's shattering. I will say I do think that this was 
during the time that she had just left Fifth Harmony, I think that there was a lot of people sure. kind of like gathering to say there was like a huge PR machine being like she is a absolute breakout sensation. I mean, I mm-hmm. think that's when she was hanging out with Taylor Swift. It was like a whole thing. Right. So I do think there was a lot of energy kind of brainwashing people at that time. We did not have her walking around the streets with coffee cups and <laughs> that was not a thing. Right. Drake, nice for what? I can't believe there was two Drakes. And then oh my God. at six, we have Lana. Also, Nice for what is so much better than in my feelings. It really is. But like Janelle Monet make me feel was that same year. Travis Scott sicko mode was that same year. It is crazy sicko to mode. me. Taylor right. Swift delicate. These all feel like such different eras. Oh, Casey Musgraves high horse was number 15. And I was like, mm, to put that down at 15 feels aggressive, but whatever. That's crazy. Honestly, like I was thinking like, I don't know. I feel like if we were to make top songs of last year, like not as many of them would have such important cultural staying power like 2018 was a big year for music honestly in terms of staying power like I know Travis Scott is problematic but I I feel like sicko mode is above maybe I don't know if he's above the Drake songs but that song stuck oh, around yeah that was like a huge thing and then I think it had like a resurgence on TikTok mm-hmm. I mean I remember I graduated high school in 2018 um and I remember sicko mode like there's not a, a single party or event or literally anything that I could go to without hearing that song I mean to this day I still feel like it comes on constantly yeah. that's why I was it like 2018 me. I feel like I still hear that song like three times a day yeah so Lana Del Rey how long have you been listening to Lana Del Rey was this album like kind of a breakthrough album for you or was it one that you were like really anticipating because you were already a Lana fan oh baby I have been listening to Lana now for over a decade um I fell in love with her when I started using tumblr.com like I think many young women fell in love with Lana Del Rey I got a tumblr account when I was probably like 11 or 12 oh boy um and yeah some serious brain damage as well <laughs> has occurred that's um a <laughs> part to talk about and I really I think Lana has such an interesting legacy and she sits at such a fascinating point in the culture for me, which is kind of why I wanted to like I could just talk about Lana Del Rey forever because I think I've probably been a fan of her for the longest time, like more than anybody else. And like (laughs) to this day, I'm still incredibly enamored by her. I saw her at Clark Street Diner like I think a year ago and my my boyfriend actually saw her and he comes back and he goes, hey, just, you know, be cool, be cool. Um, but Lana is, and I was like, Lana is here. Like, I literally, <laughs> like, I was like, what? And I went around, you know, quote unquote, looking for the bathroom. And I came and sat back down and I was like, free, like fully freaking out. And my boyfriend's like, do you want to go up and say hi? Like, do you want me to take a picture? I was like, no, no. I'm like, she, I, you know what? She's like at breakfast with like her man. Like, I wouldn't want to be disturbed there if I were her. I'm just going to sit here and like have my moment. And I was just sobbing, like just knowing that we were in the same vicinity, which I can't think of another person I would do that for. And I think that's the point where I realized like, oh, wow, she really encapsulated like my teenage years. Like she soundtracked my teenage years and still maintained this amazing longevity as an artist. Like Norman fucking Rockwell is like her most critically acclaimed um, piece of work yet. And also this this newest album, um, was also rated highly critically. But Norman fucking Rockwell was when people are like, okay, she's not fucking around. And she never was. People just never understood her. So all that is to say, I'm very attached to her. I think that there is a really interesting generation of like female artists who were like born 
I mean, I think like there are obviously like a long history of female artists like not being understood and given the respect for what their work totally was. But I think it's really interesting now the people that have existed like before and during this sort of like reckoning of like, do we hate women? (laughs) And so she is (laughs) someone who I think like was not given any respect for a really long time and was like truly just looked at in the pile of people who are music for girls And then there has been this thing of, but is she incredible at music also? Right. And people don't understand the point at the, the cultural point at which she started releasing music. And when she put out Born to Die, which was like her breakout album before that, she was releasing things under Lizzie Grant. Born Mm -hmm. to Die is still like an amazing album. It just like brings, even if you've never heard it before, you can listen to it and be like, oh, I know this time period. And that album was released at the time that like, I got a feeling was like on the top of the charts like it was right like pre-recession when everyone was like yes like I love life and it's so good and then the fucking recession happened everyone was like wow like life actually sucks and is horrible and then she birthed this like sad pop that I feel like has not like she reintroduced sort of the thing that like Joni Mitchell was doing in the 70s of like being really emotional and yet like highly connected and every single in my opinion like major artist today that like is a a contemporary or came after Lana Del Rey is influenced by her like Billie Eilish Lana Del Rey macheted through 5.4 pitchfork scores through the woods so Billie Eilish could do her like sad pop girl thing and I just think she's such a legend and has such a powerful legacy and she maintained like her authenticity throughout which that's debated too you know people are like Lana Del Rey's a character like what does it mean for her to be authentic but I think if you look at her discography and the way that she has authentically grown as a woman and as an artist it's really beautiful to see and I think she deserves her flowers yeah and I think another thing that okay I don't want to like imply I don't want to act like I understand what any of this level of scrutiny or whatever is like, but there is something that I've gotten a whole new level of appreciation for having people like pay attention to anything that I've ever done, getting feedback from people I don't know where it does make it so much harder sometimes if they don't like it. So like what I, Mm -hmm. where I'm going with this is it is so much more impressive to me that she's been able to carry through and have such a strong through line and such a strong center of like who she is and the work that she's trying to create when there are hundreds and millions of people who are not getting it and she is aware. And like obviously there are the people who do get it, but to focus on the people who love you and appreciate you and are like crying in a diner is so hard when there are people like giving you a 5.4 on pitchfork to not develop like an insane resentment for the like fucking suits at the top of the ladder who like are just being dickheads Mm -hmm. and like to not let that derail you is really difficult yeah and she is so aware of that as well like she has I'm thinking of this song of ultraviolence which is called fucked my way up to the top (laughs) and that was like kind of a, a a wink and nod at everybody who was like wow she must have fucked her way up to the top I also think she's such an amazing example of something that is so rare now in artists which is the ability and the willingness to take artistic risks I think I I, I just wrote a Substack article called the algorithm killed the radio star about how TikTok and social media affects the way that modern songwriters are writing and behaving and like how the major label influx onto TikTok has like fundamentally changed the landscape 
And nowadays, if you're a songwriter, especially if you're trying to promote yourself through social media, you're so incentivized to not take risks because the way you get people hooked is by making them understand everything immediately. And I think that means that we're making baby music for babies. And I think we're scared to take any risks, And which makes sense. As it becomes harder to make money as an independent artist, you want to just do things that'll make people sign on. And I think she is such a case study of really sticking to her guns and like developing this... Like, I think the persona is such a a genius idea because she could constantly, like, rework it and add to it. And then part of her appeal became the nobody understands me. Like, I'm so misunderstood. But also, I genuinely think that goes for, like, the sensitive, like, highly emotional, you know, dreamlike women who are attracted to her music is, like, genuinely people don't understand me. (laughs) Yeah. And it feels like you do. And I also, okay, so I was reading about what inspired this song and I loved it so much. I've, I mean, okay, so you doing this episode, me listening to Lana Del Rey all afternoon, like I'm, I've never really gone off the ledge with Lana Del Rey. Like I've never gone down a true Mm -hmm. rabbit hole and I feel like I am about to. So, oh, Ashley, I have a Lana playlist. I'll send it to you. (laughs) Warning to the people in my life. That's it. I mean, okay, so. She wrote, this song is about a time I took a walk late at night with a guy I was seeing and we stopped in front of a friend's apartment complex and he put his hand around my shoulder and said, I think we're together because we're both similar, like we're both really messed up and I thought it was the saddest thing I've ever heard. I said, I'm not sad. I don't know why you thought you were relating to me on that level. I'm actually doing pretty good. And I feel like that is the sad girl thing that I relate to. The like, yes, like I'm not doing bad. I've had that conversation with like guys I'm dating. I feel like guys romanticize being so fucked up all the time. They're always like, I'm just yep. messed up. Yep. No one will ever get me. But like we get each other. <laughs> oh, the thing I was going to say is I've had a, a guy that I was dating that I was trying to break up with be like, but no one will ever like understand you the way I do. Like no one will understand me the way you. I'm like, that's oh, not God. true. I'm not that fucking complicated. <laughs> Don't you try to like put this idea in my head that like we're the only two yeah. people on this earth for each other. We're fucking not. Like <laughs> someone else will understand me if they want to. I love that idea of her just being like, all right, I am like a girl with feelings and I'm in my feelings sometimes, but it doesn't mean that I'm like some impossible fucked up being like I'm kind of just vibing. Yes. And that's what people have always accused her of. People have always said, like, you're trying to be this, like, fucked up. You're a terrible role model for young girls. Like, you you romanticize your own messed up shit. And I think that was true for her at a certain period of time. She had her era of being like, I'm daddy's little girl. Like, I'm Lolita. And, like, I like when men hit me. Like, there is stuff to unpack and interrogate about how that has affected the brains of children like me <laughs> listening to it. And sure. also as she's grown up, she has matured extremely beautifully and naturally as you do, as you're a young woman having these emotions being like, nobody's ever felt this way. I'm so fucked up. Pain makes me feel good in some weird way because I can control it. And then you grow up and these first lines of marriage department complex to me also summarize the way that she was received culturally. You took my sadness out of context at the Mariner's apartment complex. I ain't no candle in the wind. I'm like, yes, like that's so. And I think also another thing we do culturally is anytime a woman, women are having like big, like scary to many people, you know, uh, intense emotions, people call it sadness. People call it sadness. People call it depression. And it's so much more complex than that. I mean, I have my own gripes with being called like a sad girl indie musician. It's like, actually, there's so much about 
the depth of emotion we're able to experience that is profoundly hopeful. And I think that is like what Lana understood so well. Yeah. No, I love that so much. And when you listen to this song, it I feel like it's like the vilification of feelings in women in general. All mm-hmm. feelings have to be fought. Like you have to either be like pleasant and bubbly or you're being like sad, intense, messed up, like damaged. And it's like, well, having like a reaction to a complicated life is not damage. It just yeah. is like existing in the world that you live in. Yeah, exactly. And I just think she, for so many young women especially, is like, okay, I, I guess I'm not entirely crazy. Like I feel like you get it. And I just am really – I feel like she, especially in the more recent projects, has been able to sort of – not give up the Lana Del Rey character because of course it always will be a character, but evolve it naturally to like the way she's aging. Like I think, you know, and people, there was a big thing because she like, you know, over the pandemic and just, she's getting older. Like her body is changing. She's not a size two anymore. She's like gaining weight like a normal woman does throughout her life. And everybody was like, you know, it's a bunch of people. Of course, I'm going to sound like a fucking freak. I'm like, these people don't understand Lana like I do. But really it's like, you know, She's evolving in so many ways past where she began and she's doing it so beautifully and naturally and honoring herself in that process. Like, I don't know. I look at like Madonna um, and I'm like, wow, like you really don't know how to not be 20 anymore. And it's really bothering you that you're not 20 anymore. Mm -hmm. And Lana just gives me so much hope for especially there's so much like fear mongering about aging as a woman. I'm like, well, Lana's style has really developed and aged beautifully with her. And she's like allowed it to do that. And yeah, there are these artists who like really lose their grasp on reality and like their ability to connect because they like won't acknowledge who they continue to be. They're like obsessed with who they were and it is sad to watch (laughs) them kind of crumble under that pressure because they'll never make people happy because the people who make you feel like you need to be that are never going to accept your like attempts to continue to be young. Totally. And I think that's why she's maintained relevance. Like, you know, audiences pick up on that inauthenticity of like trying to like go back and put the same coin in the slot machine that used to work like she has continued to do like she's made records that that people that even the fans are like yeah really not my fave but she's testing out new I would rather really be a fan of an artist that's constantly trying to grow and learn and test out new things and occasionally makes a record that I'm like "Mm." cam trails over the country club no offense (laughs) but then i would so much rather that than have them try to like do the same old shtick and i think it's really really admirable that she and of course she's like has a lot of money and has all you know has has been on a major label most of her life and has a lot of like these resources that other artists don't um but i'm so thankful for that i'm so glad that she's been able to do that and transcend like sort of into the mainstream while constantly developing i think she's such a great reference for so many artists and like where like their career trajectories could go yeah your voice has to evolve i think i see it really beautifully in carly ray jepson and a couple of other Mm. of the more like fringe not like a list pop artists but like still very famous and successful like the b plus listers where (laughs) you can't the thing is when people try to make the same album over and over and over again you can do it maybe twice before the album that was successful the first time has now aged out of date entirely so if you keep making that same album not only is it really boring to hear one artist make the same album 
over and over and over again. Also, the way the industry and like sound and art progresses, if you make the exact same thing that you were doing six years ago, no one should be making what was being made six years ago. It's out of style now. And maybe people still have a connection to that music. So the thing that did come out six years ago, like this album is still really great, even though it's what, five years old. I mean, it's, that doesn't totally. mean it's bad, but if you were to make today an album that sounds like it should have come out five years ago, you don't have that five years ago connection to it and it sounds out of style. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. But I think that's also what artists are being encouraged to do and what's increasingly happening more as like capitalism is like getting into its like third and final stage of like, you know, we're seeing all the new movies are like, oh, The Little Mermaid, but this time it's live action. Oh, it's like the fifth Avengers movie. Oh, it's this, but redone. Oh, it's this, but the sequel or the prequel. It's like all we can do because innovation is not because the only like capital goal is to make more money like people are encouraged to mine what worked the first time again and again and again and like that is so such a horrible way for art to be encouraged to develop I think it really takes a lot of the risk out of it and you're right it's like not like audiences recognize it too it's like well I don't want to watch the same movie I watched five years ago like now that movie has like aged really well in the canon and like I don't necessarily need to see it done again yeah like that movie exists and so now when I want to watch it, it it exists already. Like I don't need right. more versions <laughs> of it. But how has Lana Del Rey, do you think, influenced your own music? How when you have to elevate or pitch your style, who are the artists mm. that you reference? It's a really interesting question. I think there are so many songs that I write and when I'm having trouble, I just ask myself, am I being honest? And I feel like Lana has always, to me, you know, I think there's an honesty in that character. The character sort of allows her to be perhaps more transparent than she otherwise could be. And I think that's what she's really taught me. Um, As well as, you know, there's some things about creating an atmosphere to a song. I mean, Lana and I are very different stylistically, like the way she leans into more of like, piano and like also a lot of like cinematic arrangements like I'm kind of on the other side of the spectrum but what she does really well is create like a sonic landscape where the song feels appropriate to live and I think that is like what I have started thinking about and what she has influenced um besides her I think stylistically really a lot of my influences are like Julia Jacqueline um I really like Brittany Howard I love like Frank Ocean's lyricism but I'm such a lyrics person you know I feel like there's no even the Lana songs on like chemtrails that I'm like "Mm, here or there I can still read the lyrics and it's like a poem and her poetry book is amazing as well and I think that like having loved Lana for so long is part of why I will always be lyrics first like I feel like I have potential for one of my favorite songs to be a one note monotone just like (laughs) perfect lyrics like working well but um, those with sounds can be so good and like going back to talking Mm -hmm. about risk taking in music and like the fear now to like create those soundscapes like a couple weeks ago I had someone on and they talked about all my friends by LCD sound system and that is Mm. like I meant to mention this earlier but it's such it's such a good song because you have to like trust it in order to listen like once you've listened to it once you know it's good But there's like a minute and a half of just like two notes before it gets into the song. And I don't think nowadays people are going to listen to a minute and a half of two notes like to trust the process. And I mean, they will, but you have Mm -hmm. to like 
hope that they will. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, no, it's it's not. We're not accustomed to it anymore. We're like accustomed to being spoon fed those like TikTok style melodies that just like immediately get stuck in your head. Like, there's no barrier to entry at all. There's no you don't have to invest into anything. And I think that's what Lana has like showed. Because like, oh my god, some of the songs on like Tunnel Under Ocean Boulevard are like the sh- like the shit she's doing with like her words and like the rhyme schemes you're like what like it's so scattered it's everywhere like it's not it doesn't hold you you know and there are some songs that does like you know video games like classic banger like dying mountain dew is like a super fun pop thing that just kind of like lulls you wherever it's going but there's some stuff you have to work for and i appreciate not being treated like a fucking baby you know by the artist that i'm listening to i appreciate an artist putting out something being like oh, actually this album is going to have like six tracks of like really mellow, like going like in between like just one octave, you know, but it's going to have some of the most beautiful lyricism you've ever heard. And then I'm going to get to doing some more pop stuff with it. Um, But I just really like that too, almost just like a calling mechanism for your own fans of like, yeah, I'm going to put out this like experimental weird album and like, let's see what happens. Yeah. I, the reason I asked that question originally is because when I was listening, I listened to your album today also, and I've listened to it before and I love like Salt Circle and a couple of your other songs. And I feel like you aren't always just like passively listening to it but in a good way and I Mm -hmm. really enjoyed that I was like oh I'm like engaged with this music and I feel like it really brought me back to those more experimental like not necessarily experimental but like the more interesting and like standout songs from Lana where you're like oh I have to like listen to like find where this song is going because if I don't I like my brain is going a different direction because I'm like so used to just like regular indie pop totally well thank you that's that's incredibly kind um yeah I I love you know I think Lana is such like she almost is like a maze maker you know and I think that's how so I mean I use songwriting to figure out what I'm feeling about something like I am constantly figuring it out as I'm writing the song and I like the idea of replicating that process for the listener of like this isn't clean you know I'm not like I know exactly how I feel and there's only one feeling I have about the situation it's like no I'm like in conversation with myself I have no idea how I'm feeling I'm angry at myself like you kind of are are led further into this thing and that also allows you know straight up pop music can be really good there's an art to it I listened to your episode with Talia where you guys were talking about how things are like medically designed to be like good and pleasing to your brain and that's so true but I think it's something where like it's also designed so that it's extremely simple to absorb and people aren't going to have different thoughts or feelings about the same words or the same song. And I really like songs where people are entirely divided where or where they just mean something different to them. You know, like it is crazy to me. I, I never write songs really thinking that people are going to listen to them and being in a venue and singing and 500 people are singing back to me and feeling that they relate to this extremely specific song I wrote about a specific scenario. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. That makes me feel like I'm writing good songs when people have a million different interpretations. And I love when artists make space for that. Yeah. And going back to what you were saying about honesty and that being kind of like an ultimate goal when it comes to songwriting, I do think, I don't think obviously artists are trying to be dishonest, but I think in a rush, they're not getting in touch with like, what their actual honest feeling is because if you are being like truthful to what you're feeling there is not a straightforward answer to it like it's not totally honest to be like here is an event that happened and here is exactly how I felt about it that's not how thoughts 
work. So if you're like really trying to get to the core of like what you're feeling, like the honest truth of it that usually is relatable is that in the path to figuring out how you feel, you feel 20 different things. Exactly. And I worry that we are encouraging artists with our limited attention span, with the things we can consume over social media to view songwriting as a tool to package something nicely rather than a tool that is used to actually make things more complicated and to mm-hmm. unpack the intricacies of like what you're feeling. Like I I have never gone into a song writing, you know, session or, you know, thinking about how am I going to package this perfectly? It's more like, where am I like how am I going to figure out where I'm going with this and I think that's something that Lana does really well and is able to make these like really accessible good like pop bangers alongside these kind of like languishing journeys of songs oh I love that in the song is there like one moment or one bar that really sends you over the edge I mean literally those first few lines if I just hear the first like piano note of it I'm like just the I ain't no candle in the wind it's like mm. and but my favorite part one of my favorite parts of the whole song because I, I obviously it's like one of my faves but I love at the end of the chorus where she goes I'm your man it's like such oh it's so you know and, and what she's saying is like you're lost at sea and I'll command the boat to me again don't look too far right where you are that's where I am I'm your man and I love what that does there because you can read it as like I'm your right hand man like I'm here for you like I will aid you and like whatever you need to figure out but she's also kind of like no like I'm your man like I'm I am an eternal I'm a sight of eternal wisdom. I know what's going on with me. Clearly, you don't know what's going on with you and you don't know what's going on with me and you're trying to project all this shit to me. However, I am in control the entire time. Look, you delicate, wistful flower, you come with me because I know what's going on. And I just love the way she delivers it. She almost like whispers it in this gruff tone. It's so amazing. Oh, that song, it's so good. Do you have any final thoughts on Lana, the song, or music in general I am just really thankful for Lana I think it shows that she is a great example of a woman who can artfully display her emotions and make it through periods of profound sadness with insight and respect I feel like so many of our iconic quote-unquote sad girl icons fucking killed themselves like Sylvia Plath you know like there's so many and of course there's like no no morality to that at all but I think those of us who grew up attached to that kind of sad girl media don't have examples of women moving through those complicated feelings into a more mature place and being able to situate them in the movie of their lives. And I feel like Lana is a fantastic example. She's a hopeful example of that. And she's literally just chilling. I'm sure. I think she has like a house somewhere in like Southern California, like in the woods somewhere. And she just like vapes and writes beautiful music and probably like has lovers we don't know about. And like, I love that for her and I just I thank her for what she's given me I do hope one day we will be able to meet as peers and I can hopefully keep my shit together and not gush all over her like I did today but thank you so much for allowing me a platform to talk about Lana Del Rey because I literally will jump at the chance (laughs) I'm sure honestly can I say first of all I do hope you get to meet as peers because I think that that is like a really great moment but I also feel like like meeting her I think she would be happy to hear things like this like I think that there is such a difference than like meeting a stan who just is like everything you do is perfect and you're and they like have no critical thought about it versus someone who's like here the things that inspire me about your work go 
so much deeper than you know. Right. Oh, I'm like, I'm a scholar of Lana Del Rey. <laughs> who would not want to hear that? Like, who would be upset yeah. to hear that about themselves? That's probably true. Maybe maybe if our paths cross again, I'll just I'll know that that you said it was probably meant to be. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here. Where can people find you? People can find me everywhere at Eliza McLam. You can also find me hosting the Binchtopia podcast with my co-host Julia Hava. You can find me on Spotify under Eliza McLam and also on Substack also at Eliza McLam. I think I've done a pretty good job streamlining. And you have some tour dates coming up. I have tour dates coming up. Yes, I'm going to be in. Um, wow, thank you, my, my PR. <laughs> You're like, like, don't forget. Um, yes, in July, I am playing the Capitol Hill Block Party. That's a music festival. And um, I want to, I honestly, what I was thinking of is picking like a 2014 Coachella look of like Lana's to recreate because it's yes. my first festival. I think it'd be so fun. Um, but yeah, I also have a show in Vancouver and I have a show in Portland. So if you're anywhere over there and want to see me, come say hey. Oh, exciting. Huge. Okay. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much.